Today we are here to reaffirm to our hearts that death, the grave, could not hold his body there. And by the power of God, we are celebrating his resurrection. The theme of my sermon is hope beyond the grave. I want to encourage you to read with me Matthew chapter 28 from verse 1 to 10. It's a very well-known passage of the scriptures, at least of those who are familiar with the story of the Gospels. And may the Lord continue to bless us as we open our hearts to read the scriptures. Amen. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat it on it. And... Uh, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has reason, as he has said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciple that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Praise the Lord. May God continue to bless our hearts. Hallelujah. Let me introduce you with this. I choose purposely the Gospel of Matthew because I believe among the four Gospels, Matthew seems to be the most excited Matthew seems to be so excited to tell us this story of the resurrection. You see, Jesus' resurrection launches the beginning of a new era for the Christian faith and for history. And I pray this morning that we can be so excited to talk about the risen Christ. I pray this morning that we can have that joy in our hearts to tell others, Jesus Christ is risen. You see, the story begins with the dawning of a new day, a new week. Something new is happening there on Jerusalem. There was a, a rolling earthquake. An angel of the Lord rolled the stone that was covering the, the tomb. Something unusually happened there. And this was the second time the earthquake came in Jerusalem. God is able to use unusually manifestation of his power to show his glory to us. And this resurrection still proves God's love for humanity. There is no stronger sign of God's unwavering commitment to love humankind. Is so interested to restore our lives and so we may have fellowship with him once again. And I'm so grateful this morning that we can talk about the resurrected God. You see, the women went to the tomb to look at the body of Jesus, most probably to finish the embalming process of the body of Jesus Christ. They were there to pay respect for the Lord 
and Master and Savior Jesus. I can imagine how heavy was their hearts as they were going to the tomb. But praise the name of the Lord that journey started with heavy hearts and ended with great joy. And I'm telling you this morning as we focus on Jesus' resurrection, we may come with heavy hearts. We can maybe hear this morning with heavy burden pushing us down. But this morning, look at the cross. It's empty. Look at the tomb. The grave is empty. And the message of the resurrection is giving us hope that something new can happen to us. So let us allow this, the resurrection this morning to reshape our life, to give us a new vision. I want you to reflect and to invite you this morning to do what Matthew is challenged us to do. I want to invite you to put the resurrection at the center of your knowing and being this morning. I want you to invite you to be reshaped by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thank God. I thank God for Matthew's gospel. Because he is giving us the testimony that God is still involved in the world. You see, there are people, there are philosophers that thought that God exists. But is too busy for himself to take care of humankind. The resurrection is telling us something different. Not only God was involved in creation. Not only God was involved in informing everything. And creating everything. But he's still involved in, in saving people. He's still involved in the business of changing people. And when I look at this place this morning. And when I see your faces. I see stories behind individuals. I see stories of transformation. I see stories of being changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today we are announcing and proclaiming that Jesus is still a savior. Jesus is still the answer for a desperate world. That's the message of the resurrection. So allow me to share a few points with you this morning briefly. The resurrection, first of all, is an unquestionable and extraordinary event. On this issue of the resurrection, let me tell you this. Christianity is either most invincible or the most vulnerable. Let me elaborate this. I saw your faces. When I say that Christianity is most vulnerable, let me tell you something. No one, no one was present when Jesus' body was resurrected. At the moment that resurrection took place, no one was an eyewitness of that. So this may create some doubts in some people. But what is interesting here, and the word of God is very clear, if it's true that no one saw Christ being raised from the dead, yet early Christians believed on the evidence of the resurrection. And I believe that is part of the plan of God. Because today you and I, today we are standing on the evidence that those disciples of the first century had to see. Jesus Christ is not anymore on the tomb. You see, in other terms, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a, a deduction based on the fundamental data of the empty grave and the post-death burial appearance of Jesus. 
And today, if we are not able to see Jesus physically, because he ascended at the right hand of the Father, we are seeing the results of that resurrection. And you know what is the most powerful evidence that Jesus is still alive? Is you and I. Is the church. You and I are the evidence that Jesus Christ is alive. Because our lives were changed. Our lives were transformed. Jesus is alive. Praise God. So the plausibility and credibility of the doctrine of the resurrection, above all, is founded in the evidence that the word of God is given to us. And you know, I don't base my faith in the resurrection because of the evidence that some archaeologists can give it to me. I base my faith in the resurrection because the word of God is telling me that. And because I can experience it in my life. However, my brothers and sisters, there are very logic ways that we can understand as a basic evidence, a proof that Jesus resurrected. And today it will be too long for me to go through the scriptures and prove to you, biblically speaking, why the resurrection is so clear evident. But you cannot be a Christian and ignore the power of the resurrection in your life. There is no halfway. Either we believe it or not. And today I'm truly excited to see that Jesus is still alive. I want to give you just a couple examples. First of all, there was nothing in Judaism that could bolster a belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's true that a group of Jewish was believing in the resurrection. These were the Pharisees that were different from the Sadducees that were not believing in the resurrection. But you see, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection at the end of history, at the end of the time when everybody will be resurrected to appear before God. But it was nothing that they believed that man that was giving his life for the expiation of sins could resurrect it. So if uh, these believers, the disciples that were Jewish before being Christian, believed in the power of the resurrection, is because something very extraordinary happened to them that changed completely their mindset. They changed completely their viewing of life. Is because this event was truly happened. Another proof that I can give it to you. This has to do with women. And I'm sorry to say that. But in the Palestine of the first century, the high witness of a woman was not considered trustworthy. So if an event was proved to be true because of the witness of a woman, no one will take serious in consideration the proof. Let me be more clear. If a woman was giving a testimony or witness in a court case, the testimony was not considered valid to prove a case for the judge or the court. So the evangelists, the four of them, specifically said that the first eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was given to who? To the women. So the four gospels prove that the women were the eyewitness. Now, can you imagine if this wasn't true, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests will debate that. 
But no one questioned that. You know why? Guess what? Because it was true. And you know, this was so true that even historians that were nothing to do with Christianity were giving testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, like Pliny, Tacitus, Josephus, Flavius, were giving a testimony of what happened that day in Jerusalem. I want to read something from the book Antiquitas in the chapter 18, verse 3 and 3 of Josephus Flavius. I quoted his writing saying, This man was the Messiah. And you know what he means, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God that the Israelites were waiting for. This man was the Messiah, and after that, Pilate and the, at the invitation of our leader condemned him to death, those who loved him were not abandoned by him. It's not amazing. This not Christian is giving testimony of the fact that Jesus Christ didn't abandon those who he loved. Praise God for this. For he appeared to them again after three days as predicted by the holy prophets. This is an unbeliever man that is giving a testimony, a powerful testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I praise God that this morning that we can stand in our faith because of the power of resurrection. Another thing that the resurrection will teach us this morning... There is no gospel without Jesus' resurrection. There is no gospel. The resurrection is the culmination of the selfless life of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection is the confirmation that altruistic love that Jesus showed to us in his life at the end wins. The gospel brings power and hope. Because despite the fact that we see evil predominant in our days, despite that we see sickness consuming our bodies, despite that we see evil people sometimes having the best life, this is not the end of the story. There is a good news for us. You see, throughout Matthew's gospel, Jesus takes this way of costly love, renouncing and denying himself for the benefit and the well-being of other people. He opened his life to the poorest folks. He went to touch lepers. He takes on the shame to those who were outsiders. He takes the shame on them on himself. Those who are rejected, Jesus loved the most. And he takes the path of crucifixion for the sake of the world. For your sake, for my sake, he decided to pay the price. And when Satan saw Jesus Christ crucified, he thought he had won the battle. But this was the, the culmination of his defeat. Because crucifixion was the moment where Jesus accomplished all that was necessary for the expiation of our sins. For the expiation of the sins of all, all the world. If you remember when the last words of Jesus were. It is finished. It is accomplished. Praise God that today we can see the fruit of the selfless, uh, selfless sacrifice in our lives. Through the power of resurrection. And uh, more than everything else. Resurrection shows the way. The way that we can 
go through for having our sins being forgiven. The resurrection is more than a baby in a manger. I want you to think for a moment. I know that we are very touched by the scenes of baby Jesus in a manger and the Magi come and worship him in the house and all that happened with the birth of Jesus Christ. But I truly believe that if we take only the event of Christmas, let's say the birth of Jesus, we remove from the Bible, only a few chapters will be missing. But if we will remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the old New Testament, it will not make sense. So we understand that the birth of Jesus Christ will not have any meaning unless it was accomplished through the cross, through the sacrifice of Calvary and Jesus' resurrection. We wouldn't be here today without the resurrection. Take away the resurrection and hope fades away. Take away the resurrection and our faith that we do not have a solid ground to be anchored on. Actually, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says that our faith without the resurrection will be futile. It will be meaningless. And uh, in that chapter, in verse 32, is quoting Isaiah 22, verse 13, saying, Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. There is no purpose. Why we have to look for the eternity if it, there is no resurrection? And this describes the way of here and now. But the resurrection is telling a different story. Here and after. You see, we have hope in Jesus. We have hope that one day this body will be changed for God's glory. And I believe in Jesus' resurrection. Again, not because it makes sense historically. But because we can see the great plan of salvation in the old Bible. And I believe that through this story, God is continuing to show the good news to us. The gospel in Greek means Proclamation of the good news. And today as we proclaim the resurrection. We are proclaiming that Jesus again is still saving people. That there is hope for transformation. There is hope for a better life. There is hope behind the trials and tribulation. And you know before I was quoting the verse in Isaiah. Uh, that Paul himself quoted in Corinthians. Let us drink. And eat for tomorrow we die. But I believe that this could be the hashtag of today's culture. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't you feel that this is the, the common life that the majority of people today have? Let's think for now and forget about the future. The Epicureans, they were philosophers that lived in the same time of Paul. And they were very strong in the city of Corinth. They believe that God could be a, a, an option. But they were saying, you know, God will never take care of us. They're too busy themselves. So let's now take advantage of the pleasure of the moment. Let's try to avoid pain and sorrow. Just taking the best of what we can have. Let's face it. Let's enjoy it as much as we can. And this is life. That was the philosophy of the Epicureans. And I was reading that chapter. I was thinking of our society today, in Quebec especially. 
you know, years ago, I was visiting Quebec City, and while I was going in one of the street, the old port, I came inside a souvenir store, and I find this T-shirt with this word, we are enjoying the ordinary times of our children. <laughs> Meaning, let's enjoy the most of what we have today. And I asked, I was talking with the owner of the, of the store, and he told me, Sir, this is the way that we Quebecers live. Yes, I don't think it's just the Quebecers. Unfortunately, it's the way that we think in the majority of the Western world. Let's enjoy today. Tomorrow, we'll have another day. You know, let me tell you something this morning. This way of life seems to be easy to live. It's easy to remove God from the picture. No sense of morality. Whatever you feel is good to do it, enjoy it, and that's it. But let me tell you something. This way of life will not help you when there is loss, when there is trials, when there is sorrow, when death touches your household, when problems come deep in your life. You need an anchor. And this let heat and drink for tomorrow die will not help you. You need an anchor. And I'm so grateful this morning that we can stand here because we find in Jesus our anchor. is the one that is able to hold us so strongly. And he promises to us that will never leave us or forsake us. And when we look at the resurrection, we can understand that truly God loves us. Truly God is committed to take care of us until the end. And that's why we need to focus on him. And the third lesson that I think we can learn today, Jesus' resurrection reminds us that we have a story to tell. You know, I I love to identify people with stories. Because I'm truly blessed when I hear the testimony of what God has done in people's life. And um, sometimes I, I don't mind to listen. Yesterday, I was at the funeral home. And uh, I met this gentleman, he's a lawyer, uh, through a radio program that I was doing years ago. I, I had the opportunity to talk with this man. And uh, I didn't realize that I was in the room, but he recognized me and came to talk to me. And uh, he said, you know, Pastor, I would like to say something. I want to let you know what happened to me during these years because I found Jesus. And I said, listen, this is not the moment to talk, but I want to hear your story. So we'll have an appointment specific to hear your story. You know, we have a story to tell. We have a story to tell when Jesus came and saved us. When he brought joy in our hearts in the middle of sorrow. You know, the resurrection does something more than just to give us, give us an account of an historical fact. I like to tell the story of this woman. I'm interested to go a little bit deeper in them, in their lives. The women are still grieving the death of Jesus. They want to pay respect for the body of Jesus. They have so many concerns in their hearts. They are troubled. They invested so much in the life of Jesus, following him. And you know, Jesus is dead now. But they have this ultimate desire. We want to honor Jesus until the end. 
They are concerned about who will roll the heavy stones of the tomb. But they go to the grave. And this morning, I feel that some of us can come here with the same concern. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, sometimes we can come here with heavy hearts. And maybe this morning, I am one of them. I came this morning with a heavy heart. But I want to thank God for the power of the resurrection. I want to thank God because even when we receive punches, strong punches, we can stand because our anchor is solid in Jesus. This woman were there concerned. And what did they see? They see the grave being opened because an angel of the Lord opened and rolled away the stone. And right away, look at how how blind we are sometimes. Though Jesus taught them that he will be resurrected, the first thought from the account of other gospels that they, they had was, who's still the body of Jesus Christ? They didn't think of the resurrection first. They thought who had stolen the body of Jesus. And don't we are the same sometimes? We are facing the evidence of something great that God is doing. And we are thinking something else. Because it's too good to think that Jesus was resurrected. We are trying to give an explanation to our unbelief. But resurrection brings faith in our hearts. Again, they are told, do not be afraid to quench their fear. And I love this, do not be afraid in the Bible. Someone says that they are... 365 do not afraid on the Bible. Somebody say, I cannot confirm it to you. One, do not be afraid for each day of the year. <laughs> and you know, these women are encouraged. The stone which was uh, uh, the greatest concern was rolled away by the angel. And then they discovered that their plans was already known by the angel. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, the angel says. Can you imagine? God already knows your plans and your struggles before even we say it to them. I know that you are seeking the crucified. It brings a lot of comfort to my, to my heart to know that Jesus knows my doubts, my sorrows, my questions. Don't you bring the same comfort to you this morning? There is a good news. They received the greatest news of all history. He is not here, for he has reason, as he said, come see the place where he lay. That's something, something that really blessed me. You see, we can come with this heavy heart, but God is dealing with us without judgment, without condemnation. Is giving us the opportunity to think and absorb the truth. Come and see. And I want to tell some of us this morning, come and see the goodness of God. Come and see that He's resurrected. Come and see that He's willing to show you the way. Come and see that your faith is not based on ideology or philosophy or religion. Come and see that your faith is based on the power of God. This empowered by the Holy Spirit that resurrected the body from death.
is the same God that is working in you and me. Praise God for this. But the story doesn't end there. The resurrection tells us that the obedience releases Jesus' presence in those women. I can imagine these women going inside it. Then with great trepidation and joy, they run to tell the story of the empty tomb to the disciples. But something special happens during their way back to the city. Matthew is truly excited, and I love the way that Matthew, the evangelist, is saying this story of this special encounter that he says, And behold, and behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They went to visit that body, and they met Jesus. You see, it's Jesus that is meeting them, not them meeting Jesus. And I love the fact that Jesus is always taking the initiative to meet us. And I want you to know that it's not by chance that you are here today. It's because Jesus took the initiative in your life. It's because Jesus is taking the first step. You see, for them, the words of the angel was enough to go and proclaim the good news of the empty tomb. But now they are seeing Jesus on their way. This tells me something very, very important, and I believe this is a great lesson for all of us. It is while we are willing to obey God's word, and while we are still in that process, that God shows his presence in our lives. How many times we start to obey God's word, maybe with doubts, and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I want to obey and while we are taking the step of faith in obedience, we discover Jesus' presence in our lives. We discover a new world. We discover something with a new meaning. And I want you to note that the words that Jesus proclaimed to those women were not different from the words of the angel. The same thing. Go, don't be afraid, go and tell my disciples that I will precede them on the mountain of Galilee. There is no difference. The difference is in his presence. The difference is in who says those words. And let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, when we are willing to obey, God will show in our way. But there is something else that excited me in this encounter. While they are in the presence of God, they stop one moment. They are not just satisfied with the presence of God. The Bible says that they <laughs> took hold of his feet and started to worship him. You know why? How many times you are just satisfied with the presence of Jesus? And we miss the point to worship him. You can be here in this place. You can enjoy his presence. But... Let me tell you, through the, uh, through the presence of Jesus Christ, we must not just be satisfied, but we must worship. We must worship Jesus. We must open our hearts to see His glory in our lives. And you see, this happen again. Great revelations comes after great worship. Great commission comes after great moments of worship. 
we see this procedure again after they worship Jesus give them the message go and tell my disciples and this happened in again when Jesus met his own disciples before he ascended to heaven in Matthew chapter 28 verse 16 to 20 we read now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age when the Great Commission was given to disciples, after they worshipped him. I truly want you to reflect on that. You can share the message of the gospel, the good news, only when you are willing to worship Jesus. And I hope that this Sunday, it will be not just a time of enjoying good food and conversation around the table, but will be a time where you stop one moment and say, Lord Jesus, we worship you for who you are. We proclaim your resurrection. We are intentionally giving our lives to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let me close with uh, some final application. The resurrection still offers hope today. And this one of the most fundamental elements of the Christian faith I pray that you receive it. I pray that your faith will grow through the resurrection. Our faith is granted and secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not mythology that will give you hope, but it's the reality of the resurrection. Our hope, in other words, is the hope of the resurrection. And then the resurrection is still the cure for a desperate world. You see, now the pursuit of pleasure and this approach to life seems a kind of relaxed type of life. But let me tell you, we need more than pleasure. We need somebody that can hold a life when the storms are on the way. I want to give you a short illustration. A miracle cure for sick people was discovered by the Scottish bacteriologist Alexander Fleming in 1928 by an accident he discovered that some of the dishes that were left by a person that was working with him in the lab a few days after developed some kind of green mold juice and with this wonder he discovered that a molding juice was killing the bacteria that grew up around the dishes or leftovers of the food. And he realized that there was something powerful there. That mold juice had the power to kill bacteria. So the day after, he tried to develop and raise more mold juice so he can test if that mold juice can kill other bacteria. Because in those days, just a scratch, if it infected, could bring you to death. Can you imagine you are doing something on the field, on the home, and you cut with a knife? If it was infected, you could die easily. Thousands for 
100,000 soldiers die in the battlefields because of infection, because there was no cure. And Flaming understood the power that it was in that mold juice. That was called the penicillin notatum in, uh, uh, in Latin. So he discovered what we call today antibiotics. Millions of life till today are saved because that accidental miracle cure. Now think one moment. Don't you think that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most powerful cure for your soul, for your troubles, for your difficulties, for your loss, for your mourning, for your grieving? When you think for one moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross, finished his work, and is resurrected, and is still at the right hand of the Father, you can have hope. And I want you today that you get out of this building with the hope of the resurrection. Keep it for yourself. Let the power of the resurrection saturate your heart, your mind, your spirit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ still remove from us the infection of sin. That terrible sin that brought to death all of us. We were dead in our trespasses and iniquities. But praise be the name of God. Because of the power of the resurrection, that infection has been cured. Because of the cross, because of the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary, now we can be cured. We can live again. Praise God for this. Praise God. Can you join in prayer with me, please?